0: What's up everyone? Welcome back to Questions You Never Thought to Ask the Whitewater Kayaking Podcast. This week is an interesting and thought-provoking episode. I think you're really going to enjoy it, but just before we get started, I want to give a big shout out to the people who support this podcast on Patreon. Patreon is a crowdfunding platform where you can chip in a couple of dollars every month to help keep this podcast running. You'll also get the added benefit of hearing it before it comes out on general release, so you know, it's like a little extra perk and you get the, the warm, glowy feeling of knowing that you did something to keep this podcast going, because without the people who support right now, um it probably would not be going. So really appreciate those people. If you're interested in becoming one of those people, one of those amazing contributors, go check out patreon.com slash Seth Ashworth. And yeah, you can you can support it on there. Um all right, enough for that. Let's get to the podcast. So On this week's podcast, the cool thing about having a podcast that's like started by accident is I don't really have to talk about anything in particular or anything that I want. And anytime a subject comes up that I think, oh, I'm kind of interested about that, I can look into it more. And then, you know, if it's interesting to me, maybe someone else is interested by it. And so I can pursue a podcast based pretty much, you know, on whatever I want, which is the nice thing about having your own podcast. And a few weeks ago, I was talking with some friends of mine, Um, and I was just, you know, kind of trucking along, listening along. And one of my friends was talking about how they've been nervous to run this particular rapid. And it struck me as interesting that they felt this like fear almost, um, not just a, a rapid they had run many times before, but a rapid I know they are very capable of running. And it seemed like they had got into this kind of spiral of, um, F- their their fears had gotten out of out of sync with each other that their, their fear level and their ability level didn't match up anymore and it got me thinking what what does it happen or like what can we do about that or because this is a fairly common thing i've seen other friends experience the same thing like why why do your fear management skills and your ability skills get out of alignment and that got me thinking to an instagram post i had seen uh, a few months ago from the one and only Mr. Ben Ma, uh, when he was doing this really great Q&A about uh, a lot of kayaking things. But anyway, this fear management topic came up. So I was like, hey, Benny, I'm pretty sure I saw this great infographic from you on Instagram about fear management. Can we talk about it? And so today on the podcast, I am joined by the one and only Benny fucking Ma. Uh, Benny, welcome to back to the podcast. you. um you. Benny, for people who haven't seen your infographic, uh, it was like an Instagram story picture about fear management and it had a bunch of these different really interesting points on uh, about how you deal with fear. Um, and it's pretty much, I've, I've summarized it to like five points. I wonder if we could run through the five points that I summarized and then if you wanted to talk and expand on how you got to that how you would manage to winnow down your like whole brain thought of, of fear management into this one um, into this one Instagram picture basically because I thought it was very interesting but also it was like a lot of information all in one go and I'm sure it took you a long time and a lot of experience to get there and I was hoping we could break through some of the things in that So I pretty much got it uh, down to you said breathing to slow your heart rate why are you scared specifically question mark are you pushing your limit and if so by how much what are the actual risks which i thought was an interesting way to word that and are you going to be stoked because it was fun or because you didn't fuck up and if you you know would like to take it away at any of those points uh, how you came to have that opinion and and go from there that'd be awesome
1: yes seth thank you uh I think I'm curious about what got you thinking about this, what what rapid, what river, with who, and what their experience was because something I've been thinking about I think kind of over the past week and today was I was thinking of how you approach your edge and then what, if you say your edge, it could be a fear threshold. It could be a point you haven't passed in the technicality size or difficulty of a rapid or whatever, not sport related. You can, you can understand what I mean by that. And then as I'm aging a lot, I feel like unless I'm actively approaching and moving my edge, it's moving towards me. And I can certainly see that in other people and how people manage that differently is cool too, because some people don't like it. Some people observe it happening and just move along quite happily. And for other people, it could be a huge change and kind of attack their ego. So I had, I've been thinking about that and I started thinking about the edge instead of like a bubble shrinking, which would probably go to show that my ego gets hurt by that, and i I don't manage it super well and i'll when you're then if you're if you're thinking that much about fear in your edge, then I know that because I'm having these thoughts that I have to be careful of my ego being so potent in a certain situation that i might do something because of my ego which when i ran the portage rapid on the baker and swam (laughs) and um about a week or maybe a week and a half before that i was scouting it and i had this whole amazing moment where i was standing there looking at it and i was like i do not want to kayak through this rapid But this is what I do, like my identity, like me, my, I feel cooler because I run big, high volume stuff. And I was looking at it, I was like, it's been run higher than this. It's been run at this level. I am not interested even a little bit. And I accepted it and I portaged it every time and I moved on and I had this thing. I thought, I think my threshold just changed. And then we got back a week later and the water was lower and I could just it just looked different and I was comfortable and I ran it and swim or no swim, regardless, it was just part of that rapid.
0: I think you're it's interesting something you just brought up there that's like kind of an expounding thing on all these like key points that you had brought up is how much our identity is like linked to when we take risks. And maybe not necessarily that's the right way to phrase it, but like maybe we could say our identity for a kayak is for like you and I is like, it's easy for it to accidentally just get glued into kayaking and want your kayaking and pushing as hard as you can all the time. And at some point, whether you want to or not, that bubble is changing shape.
1: Yeah, yeah. And what, what I personally have to work at, and I struggle with is I can just I can go pretty quickly around in my own head and I can create potential realities and give them a lot of strength over me so for example if I go to site Z and I don't run it and I don't have a good and I don't have a reason like a natural reason it gets a bit too high that's pretty much the only reason there's a, threshold, there's a level that I've run it at, and then there's a level I've seen it where it's the exact same scenario as the first time I would have ever run it where I can see a line, but I don't know if it would work. And that really calls to me. But if I go there and I don't run it when it's runnable, my thoughts, and this would tie into, like, why are you running it? Like, what is the feeling at the bottom that you're looking for? And if it's good to go and I don't run it, then that makes me, creates a lot of thoughts in my head about why I didn't run it, if I'm going to run it again. If I don't run it this day, when I know I can and I know I have and I know all these things, in two days or in two years when I'm back, will that decision affect me? Will that decision have more weight behind it? And that is a fun thing for me to think about. And there's a certain point where I I like trying to be really aware of my ego when I'm scouting whitewater because it can be used for good or evil. You can use it as an encouragement to, to put your skills through something that you're confident they can deliver you safely to the bottom of a piece of gradient and whatever craft you're doing that with, or, Because of your ego, you might put yourself in a situation where you, you weren't quite ready for either mentally, physically, or, um, experientially. So I don't think there's anything wrong with using the ego to, to boost yourself into something. But then again, it's the, you don't want to get to the bottom of a rapid and just think, oh, like, I'm so stoked. I'm okay. Moving downstream like that to me would be a sign that you weren't 100 percent sure that you had it and it should be about testing your skills and your mindset versus like the gradient's going to work one way or another like you're going to get to the bottom of most things
0: the it's such a dichotomy isn't it that like ego like you, you you kind of can't live with it but you can't live without it either and it's Interesting, it's interesting that you say that it's like, oh, yeah, you know, you can use it positively as well because I think a lot of people they hear that word ego and they're like, immediate negative connotation. But it's interesting to hear you kind of add that point that you almost need it you like, you need that part of your brain to be like, yeah, you got this, like, let's go, yeah, Yeah, because
1: the ego can be a, a part of my decision making or it can be. Like the ego is either aligned with me and what I see, or my ego can sometimes almost be telling me things, not not working with me, but being like, "What? Why aren't you doing this? Like, what are you doing?" A cool a cool example of a iconic rapid would be the minus rapids, because they they do not fall into the river trip. If you want to run them, you have to go upstream to get to them. So it's never. It's a, it's a neat way. Say you're running the middle channel of the Ottawa River. You know you're going to get to Garvin's, and you know you're either going to run it or walk around it. When you run the, the Zambezi, you may never even go up to see the Minus Rapids. Like it's a, it's, the decision starts a long way away, um, which is cool because it requires a lot of effort. Um, that's a cool, egotistical rapid to run.
0: So when you get to the end of a rapid to kind of like round this point off, you are looking for like, are you looking to feel you're, you're not looking obviously for that feeling like, Oh boy, I'm glad I didn't mess that up. Or are you or like to kind of compound what we're saying here? It's like, how are you going to feel at the end? It obviously factors into like your decision-making process at the start. It's kind of what we've been talking about here. And it's like, should you, It's the best way to express this, I'm struggling with my words right now. When you're scouting a rapid, should you be 100% on one or the other? Like, should you stand at the top and like, and you think, I'm gonna be stoked from at the end of that because I'm gonna style this greasy line? Or when you're looking at it from the top and you're looking at it like, mm, I'm gonna be stoked at the end because I won't have eaten, eaten shit into that wall or whatever. Should you stand there at the top and be like, okay, I know I'm going to come out with one expectation or the other, or like kind of to take you back in time, like, are you going to be like, when you're looking, how are you, what are you looking for to feel?
1: That you're depending on what you're running, like all of my examples are whatever, like actual, like class five like if at the spectrum so you can be hitting these thresholds in actual class three whitewater but you need to understand that and and then the realistic interpretation of risk is very important so when the risk is death or um unknown shitty circumstances or you don't know what you are potentially putting your friends through to help. Like if, if, if it's going to spiral out of your control, like if you're going to lose your independence, you need to be aware of that. The, what I said, and that was very specific. That was, I was talking to someone at the North fork and they didn't want to run Jake's and they were going to be racing in it. And I said, well then don't run it. Like, why don't you want to run it? And if you run it, and it goes well because it will because of who you are and how good you are at kayaking, what are you expecting to feel? And if you don't know that you're just going to put yourself into the boat and into the current and execute to your skill level, which is reasonably expected, and be happy about that, then don't do it. If you think you're just going to be like, I did it, I'm not someone who didn't do it, I'm not someone who is meant to be racing in two days or in one day and I haven't practiced yet. And that's going to bother me. Like, like just walk away and be happy with that, especially if you know you can do it and you know you will be doing it later. So that was pretty specific. If you stand at the top of a rapid, you can see all of it at and your first emotions are of excitement. That's going to change how you scout the rapid. If you look at it and you think, Oh shit, and you just see all these places where you don't want to go, but you still really want to give it a good scout or you already know you're going to run it, that will, should just determine the care of which the care of your scout and the time you take to do it. And I, yeah, I'd like to start at the bottom. I don't always think like this, but if I'm talking to someone about it, like, okay, you're like in that eddy. you just high fived. Now work your way up backwards. What happened? get you to that
0: yeah i think scouting rapids from the bottom up is the only logical way and i don't know why not everyone seems to be on that program and i've encountered plenty of people in my travel that like will start scouting rapid at the top and i'm like you can't even see the bottom like what this might be all a waste of time if like, we go around the corner and there's a big tree there like yeah what are you doing and i it's weird to me that that hasn't that like school of thought hasn't permeated through the entire community but Anyway, starting scouting from the bottom up makes the most sense. Um, I like the way you phrase it there, like, how did you get here? That's a yeah. cool way to think about it. Um, but it kind of feels like we're talking about one of your other points here from your infographic, that I'm going to try and figure out how to post in, in the show notes. Um, but, like, what are the actual risks? So when you, Ben Ma, are, like, standing in the sticky ready to run site Z for the first time, did you go through a, like, what are the actual risks checklist? And then supplementary to that where do you draw the line with what you just said about uh, like at the time when you're gonna lose that independence and someone else is gonna have to start picking up after you uh, say that again um let's start with okay, like but... actual risks like when you benmar are scouting a rapid like for example like uh sticking Z, like first ascent did you stand there once you've done your bottom-up scout and say okay what are the actual risks
1: yeah, the that very specifically was hard be, for a bunch of reasons, including that was in 2012. So I have a lot more experience now. And, and yeah, that being a first ascent, there was a few things that I couldn't come to a conclusion. And what I eventually... The things that stuck out a lot is in that rapid there is a really shallow place that the white water above it is is moving in that direction you can't just sit there and go down and now eight years later however many times I've run it and other people have run it and we've seen what goes on no one's gone over there so I gave that that place in the rapid i gave it a lot of attention and i thought about it extensively and i looked at all the water going over there and lots of people myself included depending on a situation i won't tell like visualizing is a very strong tool but i encourage people to visualize uh not a negative outcome uh, but all potential outcomes and circumstances so it's, it's one thing to have plan A and a plan B but I like to have a bit of an idea of what I'm risking so what do I do if I go over there what's that going to feel like Like, what fear will I, should I expect so it doesn't startle me and what sensations like what rocks and, and etc and it was it's a really shitty area days late the only thing that's gone over there is a creature craft like days after I ran it as far as I know, no one's actually been swept over there. Oniels hit some rocks close. I saw Tad Dennis go pretty close. But still being moved in the main current away from what I decided was the thing I was most scared about. And then the other thing I did was I, I thought very carefully about my first potential mistake. Like if it didn't go wrong from here, this is the earliest thing I was worried about. And I, I looked at everything, I watched the water, I was like, I don't think that I will drown. Like, I'm pretty positive that like, if that thing crunches me, I'm going to get crunched there. If I swim there, it's going to be awful. But I don't think that that will kill me. <clears throat> and that was part of my, like, my like, l- real risk assessment. And that would mean being separated from my boat, which would mean it'd be hard to get the boat, which would mean I'd have to hike out. So it was a very... or call a frickin' helicopter. And, so, for,
0: and for the situation we're talking about of people who aren't familiar, Stickyin River is a, a extremely remote uh, in River in northern British Columbia.
1: Yeah, and I'm not the, like... Like I could do it now, probably a lot better than I could then. But I'm not the guy you drop off in the middle of nowhere, and he's just like, "Hoorah! Like I got this!" Like I, like realistically, me hiking out of a river, I'm not stoked on that. I like to.
0: I mean, hiking out of that, hiking out of that river in take particular days, yeah. would be. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I've hiked. I've yeah. So it's, I and then another part of my decision was I came here to run, this river, in the classic three days that it takes people to run. I didn't come to, to cut it short in the start of day two. Um, but that, that's, that's also a unique example because I, I just ended up really wanting to, to run that rapid and I, I accepted those risks as real. And I was confident that in that situation, it was not going to, to be like a drowning situation. And then on the devil's advocate of that, like you just, every situation, like it's, you can always drown. Um,
0: and then my follow up, like supplementary question was uh, we talked about like, you phrase it like loss of independence, but I phrase it like someone having to rescue you or like the people you're with having to put themselves at risk to rescue you. Um, how does your decision to run a rapid impacting them affect your decision making?
1: The, I'd like to, it's hard to step back that many years. The independence I feel now, and part of that is from like the the times and the places where I where I've paddled alone, that's almost a way of testing certain things about your uh, skill set. Um, it can be. other times it's just you just it's you just go. But to sometimes you run something and you you chat about the safety plan cuz it's a, people are there to support each other so something going wrong doesn't mean i've lost my independence as as i put it but i've also been in situations where i I've, I've realized on not a remote run something like in washington where it was very nice feeling for me because i realized that i was i had a different level of comfort on the the river or that river and i could spread my awareness out to incorporate other people's safety and i would realize that people are really at their limit of skill and and it's exciting they're like sending it and it's this is going to be a big experience for them but they're they're not able to help other people in the group and they're it felt good for me to unspoken just become part of the support system and just be behind them so I could see everything or stuff like that and to be I don't like the idea of of running something that I could change the whole situation of the day like the whole dynamic of the day could because I did something loose so I just try not to like I I can understand when I'm being loose And it's it doesn't feel like a lot, but it's
0: And so that kind of factors into like decision making. It's something like I think about personally, like when I'm if I'm looking for something that's at the edge of my bubble, the people I'm with factor into where my the line of my bubble is almost. Not because it's like I can't run it, but it's like if I made one of those mistakes, the people I'm with either may not have the skills to, which is not their fault, they're just not experienced enough yet, or putting or if I made a mistake, it might put them in a position where they're in much more danger trying to deal with me. And for me, I've been finding, I think that does factor into my decision-making process somewhat. Kind of like how you're just saying it's... You're looking at it more from that, like, group um, experience point of view, like the experience you're having on the day. Yeah. And I wondered if that factored into your decision-making for where you're at the edge of your bubble is if if the people you're with affects the edge yes. of your bubble.
1: Okay. Here's a better answer to we've arrived at a better question. That you get you do that before you get on the river. So a lot of the kayaking that I do is is with a small group and with people I've pal with like extensively for a long time in in hard white water. And then when when that group changes, I do get uncomfortable even if they're really good kayakers because I don't want to deal with their shit. And because I have that attitude, I certainly don't want them having to deal with my shit because like, it it just doesn't, it's not a great group cohesion, but in other situations, I feel like you, I can address that on the way to the river and I've gotten better at it, but there's been times where I'm just like, okay, I, again, ego, it's like, I'm supposed to be this person and I'm going to be not, I'm going to ask people, questions that it sucks to ask somebody a question where you're kind of basically asking them like how good you are how experienced you are how well you know the river or how many times have you run it or if I'm the one getting into a group another thing that can happen if you're the stronger paddler or if you're assumed to be or if you assume you are and maybe you're right and maybe you're not but then asking questions about the river and making... Because a lot of times people might not... They might just be like, oh, this guy's either thinks he's cool or thinks he's really good or is really good, and they might feel uncomfortable with saying, just so you know, there's a rapid that kind of snags people or there's a rapid with a tricky move. Like, they might not want to say that. They might assume since you've run the river once, you remember. Um, But all that is is mitigated and accepted before you get to the river so you have to either accept and then act accordingly or not go to the river with certain people so i've i've done that with uh
0: that's kind of exactly what i wanted to unpick in this yeah. um kind of exactly how you just put it and when i was younger i, I like I was, i've been thinking a lot about like how i used to paddle when i was younger recently because i've been like digging through a lot of old hard drives from like old photos and finding all these like old video clips and i remember this fit like it's funny how like you'd see a picture and then you'd like remember feelings associated to it and stuff or like memories from a day and then you have like you remember these like little extra moments that you just completely like put to one side but I remember when I was younger I think like having those exact discussions with people and they'd have them with me and I'd be like this guy's such a dick he's asking me if I can roll and stuff and you know if I've done this run before and I was like but now that I'm uh older and more wrinkled." I realise that those discussions are so imperative that it's like the the preemptive safety mechanism to not having a bad day and you're having it in the car park or in the in the before you even get in a car to go somewhere. Yeah. Before you get there, and it's like such an underutilised tool because I don't think people necessarily have the communication tools that they need to approach those conversations and be like, Hey, have you been here before? Or if they're the person who hasn't been here before, you know, how to how to approach that with groups of people they maybe are not super familiar with or like Facebook friends with, but not, you know, like haven't paddled very much with. Yeah. And I, I wish there was, maybe I'll try and think about putting together that toolkit of like those car park conversations because they're so essential, like preemptive safety that is so often uh, assumed and ignored. And it only takes two people to assume something, and their assumptions have to be just ever so slightly non-coherent, and then you're like, you've got a recipe for a really bad day.
1: Yeah, it's tough. It's really easy too if you just don't paddle like with certain people, and I'll said with beaters, but basically, like when I go to the river, I'm on my way with the people I'm on my way with. And the group doesn't change, and there's a lot of security in that. And sometimes in certain places things change, but like I, I, typically am not around super busy rivers or rivers at their busiest. And the rivers I am around like that are kind of safe. Like I actually, I don't even like actually creek that much. I have discovered and happily now sit under my own created title of I like classic creek boating. Like I'm a classic creek boater. I don't want to go creaking on runs. I don't want to go creaking on, um, and Fisher did a good job at one point. I can't remember it all, but something that he would do and he encourages people to do is say you're, yeah, you've just met some people. You're going kayaking. Like who's, who's done, who here's done this run? Oh, you have, you all have cool. Who's done it the most? Oh, you have, how long is it? Like how many kilometers exactly? Oh, are there any portages? whereabouts in the river is the portage and if you if you have a curiosity about the river you can't really go wrong and and then just saying something about yourself too like you can say i've done this once it was a while ago i don't want to have any i don't want you guys to think i know where i'm going and i don't want any responsibility for um like like how fast are we going That, go? like,
0: detachment of ego again, like kind of what we said right at the start. It's yeah, so, so and when I've
1: had to do that, it's on, like, easy-ish runs. I'm trying to fit into the group, but also be honest. And there's other times I've had to like, dude, I could we could go to the staking, and I could be like, I don't know what you want. I can tell you that if I look like I'm online, I'm going to be online. If I'm moving pretty quick, I'm trying to get back online. And I can't tell you a breakdown of every single rapid before we get there. But I know that I'm going to remember it when I'm dropping in. There's other people who they can, they'll just give you like, this is what's happening in the next 5k. I'm going to be like, we're going to be at a really big section. And until then, like it's basically down the middle, but I, I'm not going to give like something super specific and I don't want to grab every eddy. So understanding how you roll and, Especially, yeah, like if you're with a group, it's just...
0: Preemptive safety.
1: Yeah. I happens. think it's the, that's the... Yeah, and you're going to end up... It doesn't matter if it's in class three, four, or five. You're going to end up paddling with people you don't know, but who you know through a friend or through online. And you'll know that they're you're capable. And even if they're kind of a friend, you might not have a dynamic with them that is super conducive to honest chat I ran the staking one time with someone who'd run it once before and I'd be like uh this is this is Wicked Wanda and he'd just like nod I'm like fuck like of course he knows it's Wicked Wanda (laughs) he's got a better memory than me he's better at this than me he's got a better map than me I'd be like okay so this is like the past yeah yeah, he knows but then he never said I know please stop and at some stage to another guy, same trip, who I was just a little more comfortable with. I was like, do you want me to say these things? Do you want me to not say these things? Do you want that excitement of, I kind of remember, I kind of don't? Or, dude, people don't boat scout stuff like this all the time, like, but we can do it. Like, you don't need to hear shit. Like, we can just go down it. Like, what do you want for your experience? And it's just practice. Like, oh, yeah, whatever, man. Kayaking for like 20 years and I'm 33, and you just I'm still practicing certain things. And a hard thing for me is going to be stopping to run really the hardest stuff I run and then starting to run stuff with other people who aren't my like close shred buddies and kind of learning how to communicate all that.
0: Yeah, I think the situation you're in is not typical for most kayakers who are in that position where you can you have the luxury of being like these people are alone, and mo- I think most people. Are not in a position where they can go. These people are alone because they don't have necessarily the skills to back that up, mm-hmm. um, or the friend group to be like to back that up. And it's difficult, I think, for most people to manage that. Which is probably the reason that we're having this like fear management talk because people aren't taking those preemptive safety steps of like talking about it before you get in a car to go drive somewhere. Um, and now that's why we're looking at it like this yeah um the last thing kind of we, we've been picking through this uh little picture point by point the last thing on there is breathing to slow your heart rate And i have recently or in the last year been like more turned on to the power of breathing what uh and yeah obviously it was in- important enough for you to put on the on your your instagram story of fear management things to think about why is that
1: Because there's a lot of reasons why your heart rate can go up. And you can do it sitting, or you can do it uh, by interpreting something, or you can do it by thinking ahead about something. And I find for me personally that, and I've been, I haven't found the exact book that I I know there's going to be a great one, I haven't dug too hard, but when my heart rate Starts to increase. I find that my thoughts, and they they start turning faster, and that I become less clear. So just as this could be a simple, another just like classic example, something like Site Z. This is a good example because I don't really, like you can scout it from the. I don't even walk down there anymore. But like, if you walk Site Z, like you're gonna elevate your heart rate. So if you walk around a bunch to scout, you're, you're actually doing a lot of physical exercise. So it's good to just be able to sift, like separate your heart rate from your decision-making because your heart rate is elevated because you're using your legs and you're breathing heavy. Um, if you're standing and taking in a rapid, this happened to me a lot on the Indus because I wasn't walking around a ton to scout because I could see a lot. I would just I would slide my hand underneath my life jacket and put my hand over um, my heart, and I would just feel it and be like, oh, "Damn, this heart's beating fast," or whatever. And I would just take some moments to breathe like deeply and just let it slow slow down before I would, you know, start moving and have it bump up naturally. Um, there's just tons of situations. Something like on the little white salmon say you want to run spirit and you just want one quick look and you run there and you run back and you're in your boat you're like heart rate's up like i'll probably wait a bit because kayaking can be very physical another a good other sport example i found a lot when i was downhill mountain biking if i ran up the hill to try to do something again my heart rate would be going and i'd be like it's going fast i don't have the time to like sit here and calm down but i'd be like this is going fast because of physical exertion and i just have to take my hands off the brakes right now like in kayaking you're to make a move you kind of you want that energy in the bank um so i would just like know the things that can elevate it and understand them and if it is that's another thing with fear to understand like why are you scared like, are you afraid because you don't know if you can do it? Or are you afraid because you know you're about to go do it? Which, in that case, I hope you know that you can. But understanding what can lift up the heart rate and then having your own tool to bring it back down into your own control. Um, there's Sometimes you can run rapids and just be, like, chill. I, I, have, I'm, I have a heart rate monitor now that I wear when I'm kayaking, and it's fun to, to look... It'll be really cool on the stakine.
0: Just um, see if you one steady flat line for mm-hmm. the whole day.
1: Yeah, because there's you know there's sections of the stickeen that because I know I'm gonna be excited to look at it on my phone after I'm gonna work harder to be calmer. Which I think it'll just be a fun exercise and a really good tool. But even like this, like I can get nervous just like trying to like I, I have it on, like this watch is dead right now, but it can, it doesn't have to be a sporting situation. Like if you get nervous about something and it speeds up your your thinking, you might not have access to your best self in that situation to say what you want to say or to say it a certain way. Um, it's, just, it's just the things that you can use a- access as, to monitor for decision making or as a tool. Like if I, if I don't want to run something now, it's, it's a lot easier for me. It's like my ego is satisfied. Like it's never satisfied because it's a hungry ego, but f- for the things that were important to me at certain times, like I've, I've fed my ego without like getting too fucked up or like seriously injured for a long time. So it's just easier for me now. It's a nice feeling to not feel like I have much to prove, but I still can get very scared. But then that's another cool thing. Like on the Stikine, like Site Z is a big decision, but the Hold at 8 Chicago is a huge decision for me because there's a stout line and a less stout line. And even there, I, I have to decide. It's not, it's not like the one line, it's like, and the other line's not a sneak line. But if I don't run the main line, I feel like I'm running the sneak line, and I think about it up, I think about it upstream, and I have to stop either I have to choose when I allow myself to think about it, and then I start monitoring these things and my chatter. And if I, if I tell myself to shut up and just run the right line, does that feel really good? It feels good. I'm just going to do that. And it's just important, I think, to listen to those things. Like even some people, they can just, it'll be like a feeling. Other people, like they, they want to trust their gut. I'm like, what do you mean trust your gut? This is a, You'll like this one. The, if I get to the little white and it's raging high, like sometimes I'll just have to poo. And that's because my guts are clenching. Like, you're contracting insides. Like, you're, like, squeezing. You're getting scared. Like, that's the thing. Sometimes it happens to me above spirit. Because I know we're going to run spirit. I'm like, oh, man, this is so cool. It's just an indication from your body. And uh, it just it just happens. It doesn't always happen. I don't, I don't know if it happens at Site Z. But there's just, like, at... At the minus rapids, that happens. It's hilarious. There's bombs all over that place for sure.
0: It's interesting that your body, when you're really listening, like it maybe is giving you more information than you think, more than just like um, I'm sore, I'm hurt. You know, yeah. there's like a lot more going on. Um, so we've kind of talked about some tools for breaking down like the logical part of fear, and to bring it back to my root question, and this might not be something that you. Um, have a ton of experience with because you're like Benny fucking mind you're like your bubble is big and you're pushing the edge all the time um but for people who feel like their bubble has closed in I was actually so I was talking to our mutual friend Logan about this over Christmas um we were like ha- having to see each other on this trip and um and I was saying when I was younger like 2011 2012 2013 I had this feeling where I was like unstopped Unstoppably wanted to push myself and like push and push and push and push. And it was like, oh, you get to middle Pelgin at 5 p.m. I'm like, okay, who wants to go? And I would always want to go and always want to go. And, um, you know, luckily some like older, wiser heads with me were like, hey, we don't have time for this today. Like, like we've got to take it out. We've got to be, you know, somewhere else or something else. And then through, then I had a bit of a downtime where I like blew my knee out. And then coming back up in, I had a similar bubble where it was like more 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 not maybe not as fast as that first like 2011 12 13 push of like more 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 but i had like a slower expansion of my bubble if if we're going to keep using that bubble terminology so i like that and then more recently i've been i haven't been feeling that feeling at all i haven't been waking up like getting out of bed and been like oh okay yes what are we gonna what am i gonna push today and I don't know if that's just because there's other things in my life now that I'm more interested in putting my energy into or if it's just because I'm getting older and my, the shape of my kayaking bubble is changing and that's just something I have to live with. Do you think, do you think for those people who are starting to feel like that, they're just woken up one day and their bubble's shrunk and they're suddenly like, I didn't used to feel this way. Do you think it's possible for those people to build their bubble back out or do you think that's it, it's it's only going in one direction now and that's the train they're on?
1: Uh, for some people, it certainly seems that way. I've someone who, when I speak to about the river here, the Ottawa River, there's things that I, I'm uh, calloused to that I need to be more sensitive to, like uh, the water temperature and it's high and it moves fast. Um, and I get... I get confused when someone here with a lot of years and runs, they're saying things that to me, I think, I want to say the water, like you can you not read it anymore? Like you can't, what do you see? And what, what do you see and what's different? But I, I, I think I'm typically good at getting into people's shoes and really trying to think, but that's why I get, I don't get it. Um, other people have gone away and come back and done like Scott Lingren, going to the Stikine, going to the Indus, going to the Royal Gorge. Uh, last year on the South Yuba, I was paddling like very comfortably and happily, like moving my, I was at my edge a lot with him last year and it was really cool. And he's, yeah, he's a lot older than me. That gives me encouragement. Um. Some people are, uh, like Felix Lamler. I've run the minus Rapids with him a ton. Um, He ran, like, he's done a lot of incredible things, but he is, I know his mind is very different. How it looks for me, I can feel the bubble changing shape, not necessarily shrinking. There's things that I'm more comfortable doing and things that I'm less, and I look back and I try to figure out why. Like, my body doesn't, like. like, two years ago, I ran spirit. Every single time I went down the little weight, which was a lot in a sh- whatever six, two month period. The next year I only ran it if it was above like four, two or four, three on the gauge. Um, and this year I ran it twice and I wish I hadn't, like I can feel it. It doesn't feel good anymore. The whole river when it's low just doesn't like I just, my body, there's things that I'm, I'm, I'm having to make a decision. Like I'm not good enough to run that river sustainably at certain flows. And I don't know if I need to spend the time getting that. So now I, th- even more, I'm drawn to big water and that is somewhere where I can have low impact, high output and build endurance and still feed my ego and not have, not feel like my bubble shrinking because that's f- for my personality. I think it'll get close to a certain point, And then I might be confusing to somebody like, I don't get what you're not doing. And like, I get it. You don't have to. This isn't comfortable anymore. It's not feeding me. It doesn't give me what I want. Um, that said, I think all of this, depending on how you think about things, you can you can think critically, figure out exactly what's changing, and then find a way to, to make adjustments if that's what you want.
0: I think that detachment is such a superpower that's underrated. But if you could detach and look back at yourself, like if I was able to look more critically at myself in the last three years and say th- these are the areas where your bubbles is changing shape or maybe even shrinking why is that and then play back from there and it's like okay well i haven't run many big waterfalls in the last year it's like okay but it, are you not running big waterfalls because you don't want to run big waterfalls or because you haven't they're like not available or you're not seeking that out or you know all these factors and it, the more you can really pull yourself back from from your ego just separate from it for a minute I think that's how people can find the edges of their bubble again and then focus up on how they can push that bubble back out if that's something they want to do or say this is where the line is and I'm and I'm cool with that and I'm putting my energy into other areas of my bubble or other bubbles um, for your like your other life things because I think uh you know you and I have this like big bubble that's kayaking and then the rest of our life is smaller bubbles and for some people kayaking is just like one medium-sized bubble in their like group of medium-sized bubbles you know and it's not it's not more overtaking it hasn't pushed the other bubbles out yet yeah um and i i wonder if there's a way that everyone can look can detach themselves and look and this is more of a rhetorical question i guess like because you might not know the answer well maybe you do anything else i don't know but I wonder if there was a way where we could get everyone who you know to, like, detach for a second and look at where their limits are and why their limits are there and maybe, like, work backwards from from where they are now for, like, a three- or five-year period or whatever. And there might be some defining moments that it's, like, actually, I, you know, there's one thing or another that's the cause of that, or maybe it's more difficult to see the cause of that and they are going to have to reflect on that a bit more carefully. Yeah. I don't know.
1: With waterfalls, I know if I wanted to get a certain amount of comfort with a goal in mind, I would at this point probably have to be pretty specific and, and use what I've learned in the past to train instead of just, just go for it because the the chance to, to get hurt is higher. And it's hard to understand... There's, I've tried to make a point of never saying to someone, like, oh, you, like, you just, it's, you just have to, like, live and then understand things relevant to your own body and your own mind. Like, I just have a different perspective, but the ego's a big part. Like, I don't have any thirst for certain, like, waterfalls anymore, and I had a pretty low, easily quenched thirst for my whole life, and I was pretty slow about it, but egotistically i i ran some drops that were important to me to experience that i don't need to have had run but i'm happy i did but i think i think yeah if you just think about repetitions and training you can probably do anything
0: that's kind of how i've been looking at it. like i've been reflecting a lot like like i was saying like on my younger self versus my now self and like the I, younger self i just realized had uh, a lot of skill and not much experience and my older self has a lot of experience and maybe my skills need more training um but now that i'm more experienced i know how to train those areas so when i want to be sharpened on something i know how to sharpen that skill now and it's not like okay sweet i'm gonna roll out of bed and go do a hundred foot tomorrow but if my goal was that which it's not but if my goal was that i know how i know the steps i would take to get there now whereas before it would have been like yeah sweet like uh you get to the bottom when you get to the bottom like let's go and i'm happy i have that experience but i think i'm more happy that i see that detachment is a superpower that is really important and maybe not everyone looks at detachment from their own ego their own skill level separating those two things out and then really be able to to backtrack does that make sense yeah am i speaking logically
1: um yeah i mean that's probably something you do when you get older think more backtrack
0: backtrack well I mean like right now we're all on lockdown so I guess we all got a lot more time to think more
1: yeah but like I'm doing yeah you just I was on the sticking one time with audio and we were trying to decide what to do to go again to not go again and and he was like what's left man like I need a goal. I don't have a goal right now. And we're tired. So your goals change or you run out of them. And at some point, being realistic with why you're doing Like people go up to the skiing for one trip. I went up there my first trip, did a three day trip, and left. I can't, that this doesn't even make sense to me anymore. But it's been a long time. Like what I go up there to do is very different now. Um, And I'm finding all these ways to experience different rivers in kayaking now that feed me, make me really happy, and also, I am still like feeding my ego. Um, Like I, it makes me feel like relevant. It makes me feel like I'm pushing an area that I hadn't pushed before. Um,
0: If you could go back in time and tell. 18-year-old Benny, any of your knowledge about dealing with fear, any of the things we talked about or anything else that we haven't talked about, you could go back in time and you'd ha- you could, you have you know, a two-minute conversation with 18-year-old Benny, what would you say? Um,
1: 18-year-old Benny. And it's difficult here, right? I'd probably tell him to move to Whistler <laughs> and work in a bar. And not fall into the party hole, but to maybe go to Whistler
0: and live there. And what would you tell him, like more specifically related to the, his fear management, and kayaking skills? Because I think it's there's it's, such a, there's such a negative stigma attached with fear, and not enough people, I, in my opinion, think about fear management and like how they're how they're dealing with controlling where their bubble is. Yeah, I've um, always
1: liked, almost always have liked what I've done, and I've had the right lessons at the right time. I ran Sunshine when I was really young, <clears throat> and I didn't want to. I caught Nettie. I was paddling with John Grace, my best friend, and someone else who I, I knew. No, I didn't know who. I was with John Grace. This is, like, a big deal for me. It was probably with Chris Grotman's and Max, maybe just Max. And our friend, who I didn't know very well, I saw him walking, and I was like, so jealous, like, that looks so nice, just go walk, and I was like, no, I'm not, I'm running it, and I just did the exact worst line you could do, and that was a really nice lesson that I didn't, I didn't take on any injuries from, I had to go through, like, like, embarrassment about it, but it was a good lesson, and all the, like, no matter what, if I ever got caught up talking shit, which you do, I do still, or you can do and it's easy to do when you're young. I still made decisions pretty much based around like what I was feeling and the skill being realistic with like what I could do. And, um, I don't know if, if it's, I don't know what you can say to like actually change how someone processes things or what happens inside their own head. But if, if I knew what to say to myself 12 years, well, 15 years ago. I, if I could give a gift of letting that person just detach from creating situations inside my head and having conversations in my head, like even like creating a conversation with someone where I'm just trying to figure out what they're thinking without asking. Um, that's what I would, I would try to, to give them. Maybe, maybe that, maybe that lesson is, to if you have a question, ask it instead of beating yourself up all the time. But sometimes it's not a question you can ask. Like, I give myself shit about food, like eating a certain way or drinking a certain amount. And it's just followed me my whole life. So it can be about a rapid. It can be about a decision that you made. But I've, I've wasted time going back and forth in my own head. And if I give that gift, just not caring about what people think. The ego thing is tough. I've definitely struggled more internally than externally with that
0: um i think most people do they they're not maybe prepared to admit it and they're not like d- able to detach to admit that that's actually their the battle they're facing or they don't they don't see that because of their ego but i think a lot of more people than we realize are in that like daily daily boxing match with their ego just just trying to make it to the next round
1: yeah when they i don't i don't think you can you can't hack that either like and if you could, you wouldn't really want to the, the well, way you need that it,
0: right. Like we talked about, it, like at the start, like yeah. you kind of need it, like as much as it's good to detach and that's like the ultimate power is to step back and say, what am I doing and why? And what could go yeah. wrong and why? And like, what's actually going to happen and why but you kind of also need that. The other guy to be like, we got this, like, yeah, let's go. Don't have time for this.
1: Yeah. And there's things that just aren't worth changing, but if you look at the skills that someone who's 18 has now, they're, like, far, far better than what I would have been Me too. at 18. Tons better. But by the time I got to where maybe that level, it took a lot of experience to get there. So the experiences that you have, yeah, are cool. And some people don't even feel, like, you can see it. Like, so I go kayaking with some people, and, like, this is kind of cool. Like the, I've been, I've kayaked with people where they're like, they need to be told like you, I've, I, I have a friend who I paddled with on the North Fork and I was just like, dude, you are going into situations that are far, like you're putting yourself at a risk that you can't seem to feel. And I've paddled with a guy on the Trust before that he's open about. It. He's like, I, I, I'm not, like, I don't feel much fear. So he's willing. These are the people who don't swim. Like, you've, you'll see them. They will not not roll. It will take a long time sometimes, but they will roll, and it won't be something that they're thinking about at dinner. Like, it just doesn't hit them the same way. And then I can do that, too, with other friends where you pal enough with someone, like, I can... When I'm with Anil sometimes, I can see... I can almost see our fear meters. And I will just be shocked at how low his can be sometimes. (laughs) And then other times I've been as equally startled to see all these signs of fear in Oniol. I'm like, wow. Like, I don't know what is triggering him right now because I'm super chill. But it has to do with the terrain, the white water and everything. And it's very rare that he's scared and I'm not. But it has happened. (laughs) I've just been looking at him like, what is going on? So people just experience it differently too. Do you and think that's that, good to watch. Do
0: you think enjoy. that's like an interesting, like a way you've been subconsciously detaching yourself is like looking at your, like like a video game, like your fair meter and annual's fair meter at the same time. And that's like one of the ways you've been processing. Well, that's, that's what, management, yeah, like I don't, happy byproduct.
1: You just, you just start to know things about people. Like, like I, I can, Anil and I spent, a long time together on the Stickeen, and that there's not a lot of communication happening but there's a lot of body language and a lot of
0: well looks pardon a lot of those looks like we just make eye contact with someone and you know it
1: not even that you know all they're thinking well it's like yeah knowing how how long you might go without stopping what understanding what you're about to kayak through without looking at it shouldering that responsibility of Performing at your best to be a strong member of the group, knowing what's coming, and then seeing someone correct or scramble, and then watching and putting that information in the bank. Like, what would I have, if that had happened to me, would I have wanted to stop? Like, they, and, and knowing, like, when there's a need to slow, when there's not, like, seeing someone catch an eddy, like, why are you in an eddy? And all that. And then I got to do it with Jared too, which is different with the, the three of us. And I think that's another just fun thing. The other thing with kayaking is you're going to get bored if you kayak a lot and you find new ways to, that's what I, like I used to run the little white and I could not be part of like, the little white's very continuous. I could not be part of taking care of other people, unspoken. Like you do your head count, whatever that was it. Someone new on the river, I couldn't be a part of it. Like I can cover,
0: preemptive safety, right? Like kind of what we talked yeah, about earlier. It's like, like I'm not like you, this is or choice, you have to choices say it. that get made yeah. before you even get to the river.
1: Yeah, you you're with this is your thing. We can all kind of be in the same thing, but that's your thing. Like you're taking that person down. I've been with sometimes on that river. I've been like, if I want to take someone down, like I don't want to be part of a bigger group because I don't want that person's experience to get lost in the comfort of a bigger group where. They need certain things. My first not my first, but my first time going there. I was nineteen the first time. The next time I went, it was right before the race. I got shown down once and then the next three runs were terrifying. I just was trying to keep up. Like couldn't. Boat scouting, scary. And and then it got to a point where it was like, I can help people get down that river and it doesn't it gives me more to do and I want that. So that's another cool thing to, to look forward to and just understand that if you, if you paddle a shitload, you'll either start doing something else or you'll find ways to um, occupy like, the, the bandwidth that you free up.
0: Do you think there's anything we've left out of our top conversation on, on fear? And it's really turned into a topic of kind of ego detachment I didn't I didn't see this conversation going that way, but it's been really interesting. Do you think there's I mean the we, we more just, you can
1: paddle with the same people the better because you'll get that that comfort and be able to read like be able to com- understand without communicating because the river's is busy that can, be, busy be, that can be a bit of a trap though too well it's like that, very, I think
0: that I think that's in your situation that's worked out really well I think for a lot of people especially when they start kayaking they want to kayak with a few people and they get into a bit of like a dependence hierarchy yeah. like a bit of a Jenga tower if you will and maybe their brick is really dependent on someone else's brick being there and when that other person is not at their best or they're not having a good day or they're sick or they're just straight up not there like then the other parts of that Jenga tower can can be very vulnerable
1: yeah but if you spend a lot of time with one person there's things that you'll learn and have patterns that you'll see um scouting i hate scouting for for people but it works when when someone scouts for me i really hate that too but there's certain people that i it's okay but you also have to be i think you have to be very submissive like like submissive and get out, or get out of your boat and scout it And if that's a problem for somebody, why? Like, are you actually running out of daylight or what? Like, it's just slowing it down. Like, maybe that's not someone you should be paddling with. Scout your own shit because you don't want to fuck up, basically. So sometimes I just have to scout for myself. Sometimes I can submit. And there's a river I ran this year where I was with one other person. I'd run the river once by myself. It was properly high. And I just said, like, for this to work, I'm going to do all the scouting and I will always either say if it's, this is like a portage or I'm going to be looking for the easiest way down because we need to get off of the river. And that person who's absolute beast, like we had an understanding and submitted to that and I just led and it worked and we got off the river and it was sick, but it was gnarly i think i I did two kilometers extra of movement on the banks running around scouting everything i checked on my track yeah
0: i think uh scouting for other people is a bit of a a hot hot button issue in that
1: it can be fun too
0: it's something that like once you're a fairly experienced kayaker becomes quite a normal part of your like group flow especially on you know when you haven't been to a place before it's like or you're doing a first ascent like it might not be appropriate for every single person maybe not even every single person can get out of their boat to go check it out but i but i also think that it's something that doesn't get practiced very much because when you start kayaking it doesn't happen as much you know what i mean like there's there's not a very good intermediary step building block from like everyone scouts everything to like one person scouts for the group
1: yeah yeah. It's there's there's a skill to it too. I was with mm-hmm. Sven and I'll run anything that he like like on I will follow him down to anything.
0: Yeah, there's a handful Within of people reason. who are like It's just if they say left right left I'm like
1: yeah, let's I'll, go. I'll follow you if if he's just boat scouting something like he has this freak way of of doing it really well. Sven just the way he communicates there's zero bullshit and it's very understanding to me um
0: billy from quebec connection is my favorite billy's great he's billy, my favorite guy yeah. to paddle with in quebec actually, he's, he's who on he, the sticky he will eddy out and be like left right you see a rock like this and then you go right again then we are done. we're done yeah. like, okay and they might that he might have just described two miles and whitewaters to you and you're like
1: yeah on the sticky one day he said we're like two corners above wicked wanda right and i was like i don't I'm embarrassed to say I have no clue. <laughs> Wicked Wanda is the next big rapid that we run. That's all I know. And, uh, and Sven's really good because he will, he, it's part of probably just the way his brain works, English is the second language or maybe third. And he just says the right things for me. He'll, he'll just say, this is fucking easy. Or he'll say, this is class five. And I'll know like, this is critical. If Sven is saying it's cl- like he's using the spectrum properly um or the rating system properly he's come at back and he's like class three and i'm just it, it either brings me to a level of focus or a level of comfort and that for how i like to run whitewater that's more what i need than description unless of course the scale
0: you, you have a paddle with sphere. um playwright <laughs> no great guy like great guy to freestyle paddle with i don't really enjoy going creaking with him i've done it two times probably he, he's a really great guy but his explanations for things are too detailed a hundred times more detailed than i <laughs> like I need, I need to know like left right or middle and if there's any like significant things to go towards or avoid
1: yeah
0: and it uh, yeah i just can't do it anymore he's on my like <laughs> he's on my list so, like I, I love the guy i freestyle yeah. with him all day long but I don't know that I can do that much creaking with him yeah and keep my sanity
1: It's it's a hard thing to do and it and to then cater it to other people I've I've yeah. gone down whitewater before where Evan Evan scouted something and I was listening to him and I was just like nodding my head I couldn't really hear what he was saying <laughs> but I thought I had a good idea and I, I started going and I saw him just throw his hands up in the air. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I thought, Oh no. And, and it turned out fine because I, I, had his, I was is the right boat for a big booth, but, um, it's, it's a skill on both ends. And then again, like you, if it's, it's always the kayakers decision, independent decision to get into the flow and pass the point of no return. Like, you can always get out and scout. You can always get out and walk. And if you're on a river where those things aren't possible, you can learn that beforehand. And if it's a first descent, like, you can research that and you should have a pretty good idea. I mean, realistically, of what you're doing.
0: most people who are going to do first, who are like interested in doing first sense, probably have some kind of grounding. And you yeah. know, I hope.
1: I, I hope. Yeah, but I you hope. just, you can end up in that situation, but you you can know why you ended up in that situation being able to at the bare minimum understand current locate Eddy and can get out of your boat like that's kind of
0: what you need to do i i'd hope that's the base that most people want um <laughs> benny i think this has been quite informative for people to really take a hard look at themselves and detach more and think think more critically about what their actions and why and their heart rate and why and what their body's telling them and why and I think that's the, the skill that's not used enough. And I think to come back to my introduction of um, my friend who was saying that they have been feeling more fear recently on things which I know are well within their skill level, I suspect that they need to detach more and think more yeah. more critically about what they're doing and why they're doing it and why they feel the way they feel. Yeah, And, and then I, my hope is that they will... Uh, look at where they want to end up and then make a plan work backwards from there to to where they are now and and train and push the edge of their bubble back push that push that bubble out get it away from me, bubble zoom out yeah way out uh benny is there anything you've got left to add to the this episode here
1: no this is great welcome to the benny fucking marshall episode one thanks Seth, for recording that
0: and that is all I've got for questioning <laughs> this week. I will see you in a future episode. And look out for the Benny fucking Mars show on podcast apps near you. <laughs> Sometime between now and 2025. Yeah. I hope.
1: That sounds good. Okay. That's a reasonable timeline.
0: Peace. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you are interested in supporting, don't forget, check out patreon.com slash Seth Ashworth. Have a great day.